Aloha, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman, and this is episode 260. I had a chat with Kate Spencer, or Creative Kate, as her website will tell you. Um, that's who she is. She's a full-time creative. She's a photographer, a writer, an MC, a comedian, uh, an event manager and producer, a host, uh, all of these things. I guess even a sometime actor, really, in that she's been performing in shows like the imaginary porno charades and the naked women reading and stuff, which um, which are performative. They're, they're some way towards acting. Anyway, I met Kate a couple of years ago. Um, <clears throat> I've been involved in turning up, well, I've been turning up to some of the open mics that she hosts, and uh, Poetry in Motion in particular is, is one that she does. And uh, I know I mentioned it on this podcast. Um, earlier in the year, I was in a fringe festival show which was poetry versus comedy and she was the producer of that she asked me to be in one of the nights of that so that was um, three poets reading and three stand-up comedians performing and um, the audience voted so we talk a little bit about that so I wanted to have this conversation with her uh, about you know who she is what she does why she does it um, she grew up in the UK moved out here just six years ago and has just got fully involved in the Wellington writing and creative scene um, and there's a lot to her story, and uh, you know, I, I'd already sort of booked her and asked her to do the podcast, and then I heard her read this particular poem, uh, which really is, you know, I, really one of the more autobiographical poems you could hear. It really is an unpacking of the soul and who a person is. So when I, when she did come around, I asked if she would be okay to read that poem. So what you're going to hear after this intro is it's going to move straight into her reciting that poem, and I feel like that's the kind of template for our conversation and and. I think I say this straight afterwards, but anything we don't cover, you, you're getting a glimpse of in that poem. But um, we use that as the sort of springboard to go off and talk about the many uh, aspects of her life and the influences that she's putting out there in her writing and the work that she's doing. So, yeah, I, I mean, I know Kate. I don't know her super well. I feel like I know her a whole lot better after this conversation, which is one of the things this podcast is about. So I hope you enjoy this. Uh, and I'll put a link to her website, which lists every event she's in or organising, which is a lot, a lot of stuff at the Fringe Bar in Wellington, which is a great venue. Um, yeah, so this is me talking to Kate Spencer, Creative Kate, and you'll hear a couple of poems from her and a whole lot of uh, conversation and laughter from both of us. Um, this is episode 260. I am 14,006 days old and I have never acted in a movie. Although my mum had the opportunity to be in one with Michael Fassbender and I screamed at her when she turned it down. I am 14,006 days old and I have never been pregnant, which is an achievement in and of itself because God only knows how many men have come inside me. And really, God only knows because I stopped counting years ago. I am 14,006 days old and I have never done illicit drugs stronger than cannabis because I came out as bi the first time I smoked and dread to think what might happen if I try cocaine, LSD or anything stronger. I am 14,006 days old and I have never been treated with anything but disdain by male partners because misogyny, fat phobia, toxic masculinity and narcissism. I am 14,006 days old and I have never been paid what I'm worth for my many skills and talents. Where's the universal basic income so I can do what I love without constantly worrying about my rent? <clears throat> I am 14,006 days old and I've lost too many people I love at too young an age and still dream about one in particular over 20 years later. Matt Staff, your smile stays in my heart like no other. 
I'm 14,006 days old and I've been defrauded more times than I like to admit because I'm so trusting, generous and kind-hearted. I will risk being defrauded again because those are key tenets of my personality and I would rather be defrauded than leave someone without. I am 14,006 days old and I have never stolen anything except people's hearts. I am 14,006 days old and I have only ever had negative attention and affection from my father. Messaging about my weight, face, choices, skills, finances not ever being good enough. I am 14,006 days old and I am finally healing. I am 14,006 days old and I've been kept alive by my two very different communities, the church and the queers, who for the most part have accepted me, held me, given me money, given me advice and generally loved me in ways I didn't think I could be or deserved to be loved. I am 14,006 days old and I cannot remember the last pain-free day I had. I am 14,006 days old and my body is failing me in so many ways from multiple chronic conditions. Joints, ears, brain, insides and there's nothing that can be done. I am 14,006 days old and I have considered suicide more times than I care to remember because my depression tells me I'm a worthless, good-for-nothing piece of filth who doesn't deserve the life she's been given. I am 14,006 days old and I have never acted upon these thoughts because, thank God, rationality has always kicked in. I am 14,006 days old and I am grateful to be alive. I am 14,006 days old and I have learnt so much. I am 14,006 days old and I have so much more to learn. Mm. Of course, it's not all true. You're about 14,060 days old, right? You're like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now it's a I fairly recent poem, but it's, it's not. You didn't write it today. Yeah, and I yeah. got the days wrong as well. I looked at my right. notebook the other day, and when I actually found it, it was fourteen thousand twenty-six days. Right, but I think fourteen thousand six sounds yes. better. Yeah, totally. So. And um, I don't know if you noticed, but I thought how symbolic it was that the rubbish truck had gone up the street to collect. You know, as you were unburdening this, right? <laughs> the rubbish truck was pulling up my street as you were just delivering that and oh. uh, collecting up the stuff. Now, um. We had um, we we know each other a little bit. Yeah. Not not we don't know each other well. I don't think. But no. we have um, been. I have been turning up at open mic and reading things that you've been hosting, and we're aware of each other. And so it's been a couple of years, I guess. Yeah, kind of circling and around so, the circuit. Yeah, and so we have we had talked about doing this podcast before I heard you read that. Yeah, true. I think true. we had even possibly tentatively scheduled it, and then I heard you read that, and I went, oh, that's how we're going to open, because I love it, and I think it's, you know, it's probably my favourite thing I've heard you read so far. That, you're not the first person to say that. Yeah, yeah, and I only heard it recently, and then I just, it just, Chris, I went, that's, I feel like that's everything we're going to talk about, or at least some <laughs> some options, and, <laughs> yeah. and anything we don't talk about is covered in that. People right. can listen to that again at the end and go, wow, okay, so... When she talked about that, I see how that triggers that and so mm, forth. So, mm. um, was it? How did it feel to to? I don't know how you write, but to take the pen off the page at the end of that, how did that feel? It felt amazing because mm. I'd actually not written anything for a while because mm. I'm so busy with all my producing yeah, stuff yeah. and so busy with um, life in general. Mm. Um, I'm very popular, darling, and people want mm. my time. Mm. Um, so. It, it felt so good to, to first of all write it but it just it just 
came out of me. Yeah, yeah. It just came out of me. I had the title, and then I just went. This yes, is... it's one of those ones. You got the concept. Yeah. And it, and that and it, leads it. Yeah. I can see that. But... Um, I don't normally like list poems like mm. that, but it felt like a really good way. Like you say, to introduce mm. exactly who I am. So well, don't it's... you think sometimes list poems are, are, can be clever in the way they distract you from the truth? But this is a list poem that confronts the truth and yeah. lays it out there. That's, I think, maybe the difference. I Well, confrontation is yeah. my way for yes. poetry, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of my, my work is very confronting. Yeah. Um, and, and I do that on purpose. You know, yeah. I want people to think and mm. I want them to confront their normal ways of thinking mm. you know and and turn it around and see see how they feel about themselves and the situations that I talk about mm. and you know my body and my bodily functions because um it is it is hard for people to hear a woman who is very sexually active being so proud of that mm. you know mm-hmm. um so a lot of my work is about sex and body positivity um and and yeah people are shocked you know yeah, the conservative yeah. people around yeah. me yeah. which there are a few yes are shocked by by what i talk about and do you find um we'll, we'll go through and list some of the things you do in a minute but do you find even with the events that you have been organizing or part of which are some of them I have been to say I feel like it's a pretty accepting and liberal audience do you still are there still people shocked that turn up at some of those things yeah yeah right yeah it's incredible yeah. really um a lot of people say it's still it's still um not so well known not 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 so well known but not so common mm. for a woman to stand up and announce that she is uh, a sexually active being and might mm. actually want to sleep with anyone in the audience tonight mm. you know mm. Mm. Um, whereas a man's always been allowed to do that because they do it with their mates at the pub yeah, over a pint yeah. you know that's been their platform or whatever yeah. eh? like, but a lot of people come up to me and thank me for that as well mm. a lot mm. of people say you've got to keep doing this mm. um, you've got to keep doing this and you've got to keep shouting from the rooftops that, that this is uh, an acceptable way to live mm, you know mm. and not be slut shamed or not be um put into a box by society that that says you are a certain person if you do these things like because mm. i'm <laughs> from the poem you can tell there's there's quite a lot to me like yeah, there's yeah, a lot yeah. to everyone yeah. there's yeah, yeah. depth in everyone but not yeah. everyone can express it well, not everyone wants to, not everyone, as well as not being able to. That's oh, right. Like, so I've always been yeah. super expressive. I've always well, been say, really open about uh, my good, life. Because um, that makes you a great podcast guest, but also awkward segue, <laughs> given what you were just talking about, about talking about sex. But where did you come from? Um, <laughs> No, I I am um, detecting a, a hint of an accent. Oh, yes, darling. Um, I'll give you more of a hint of yes. an accent. You're right, yeah. my lover. Um, I come from the southwest of England, yeah. where our vowels are as rounded as our women. Oh, so are you trying to consciously lose that or that mm, accent, or is it just morphed with time? Uh, my father said he would send me to elocution lessons if I didn't stop speaking like that. Right. So I stopped speaking like mm, that. Where was he from? Uh... Hampshire, okay, yeah. uh, and from a very yeah. different family. To to, he married 
my mother, who was from a lower class. Yeah, right. And and that's such a big thing in England. Still. It's huge. <laughs> Enormous. It's huge. Awful. And his, his yeah. whole family warned him against marrying yeah, my right. mum because she was from a different yeah. class, you know. And it was. And that's going to impact. I mean, it has, but that's going to impact you at some point. Yeah. Like well, you just being becoming aware of that. That's a story that happens before you're even in the world, but you get to wear some part of that at some point, right? Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Um, and so I modified the way I spoke. But <laughs> it comes out when I'm drunk yeah. or overexcited. Right. And people are like, ah, where are you from, eh? Right, you want, you want a cider? We drink cider down in, in Taunton. Wow. Yeah. So how long were you there? Oh, fuck. Um, my family moved there in 87. Uh, from London, and we moved out of London uh, because a little girl was murdered down the street, and my dad was like, "We good, good reason, good reason to get out. Yeah. We're leaving. Let's let's not stay here." Uh, so we moved to the West Country, and they actually gave us a choice. I was five, and my sister was seven, and they said, "Do you want a big house and a garden and no holidays, mm. or a smaller house with a littler garden and holidays?" And we said, "Big house, big." because <laughs> that's what five and seven year olds want yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and th- my parents are still there um, all these years later and you know they've modified the house my mum's very disabled she's in hospital at the moment I don't even know if she's going to come out of hospital um, and yeah they, my dad roams around in this four bedroom house wow. and uh, when, were you, when were you last there? six years ago mm-hmm. yeah, and just when did you leave there? Six years ago. Right. No, um, I left there. I got out quite quickly. Yeah. Um, I pretty much, I, I pinged back a lot. So I, I moved out for uni and then obviously came back for summers and things. And then I stayed in my uni town in Exeter and, and was there for a good long while, actually, until um, 2009 when I decided to go travelling overseas. And then... Um, I got to China and was like, oh, China's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> and then my mum had uh, a health collapse, total collapse. And I had to, my dad asked me to go back and look after her. And I did that. And then um, he said, mum's mum's gone back to work. You should too. Um, <laughs> time to find a job, Kate. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, I don't want one of them. I don't like that. What? Mm. What are you talking about? A job? I haven't had one of those in a year and a half. Get lost. Uh, so I, I applied for a job in China um, teaching English and I got it. And my dad was like, that's not that's not what I meant, Kate. <laughs> that's, that's not what I meant. So I lived in China for three and a half years. Wow. And then pinged back home and then uh, met a Kiwi guy uh, while I was back in England. He was travelling around in his camper van and I travelled with him for a time and then he invited me to come and live with him over here and that was six years ago in February that I moved out and went back once in the September time. Uh, So yeah, it's it's coming up for six years since I've Mm. seen my family in the flesh. Wow. Um, And obviously the last year or so has been an, an impossibility anyway. Thank like, goodness. Yeah, well, I was going to say, <laughs> even if you wanted to. <laughs> My dad did say, like, your mum's on her last legs. Do you want to come back? Yeah. And I was like, I, I, I actually can't um, because, you know, the quarantine isolation hotels are booked up so far in mm. advance. Mm. And, uh, and I just can't afford to take a month off or more from my life 
here because mm. my life here is so damn busy mm. and and you have to be seen around the place for people to keep you in mind to book you for shows yeah, yeah, yeah. you know because well, I'm, I'm a full-time yeah i was gonna say let's unpack fully what you do so you what do you do well if you were gonna fly home what would you write on the airport card how would you describe yourself as an occupation artist yeah i've gone with artist yeah um you are a poet and a performer. You're an MC, an event organizer, a writer in general. Yeah, um, I also do some photography. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So my main. Someone asked me yesterday, "Do you have a day job?" And yeah. I'm like, "My day job is art. Yeah. It is creating shows, booking people. Your, your day job is organizing your night job. Yeah, basically, basically. It's the admin for it. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes it's the job. And yeah. there's a shit ton of admin. Yeah, yeah. you know. Um, uh, but I love that. Yeah. It's, I didn't think I would be an organised admin-y type of person because uh, I'm, I'm so creative when I'm doing other things. But actually, I really enjoy it. Although it doesn't leave much brain space for me to, to do the creating of the poetry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I tend to need a deadline. Yeah. So uh, I was invited to the AIDS Candlelight Memorial on Sunday and I said, oh, I'll write a poem specifically for the event. I wrote it in half an hour, two hours before I was going to go. Mm, mm. Um, that's the kind of way I work. Yeah, I reckon. I mean, I reckon writers need deadlines. I just think <sighs> that's a given. But th- that's my experience. And I can't you know? give myself a deadline. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I will always step over it and go, yeah, yeah. "Nah, that's one you've given yourself." Yeah, right. And that doesn't matter. I've, I've, that's be- I've become good at. I've become good at giving myself a deadline, and probably actually there are people out there that wish I would not because it's making me deliver stuff that maybe they don't want. But <laughs> <laughs> just, I've just decided that's what I'm going to do. But I still stand by it that, you know, you need a deadline to... Re- like, if someone... The worst thing that would happen to me when I was doing more actual freelancing was people suggesting me to write something for them and saying, just let me know when it's done. And it's like, well, it's never going to get done. But if you yep. want it tomorrow, I'll do it. Yeah. But if you, give, if you say, hit me up in a month or so, then I'm going to wait until you email me the night before. And then, right. I'm, then I'm going to get on with it. Because I'm going to... Plug in other things because you know a few years ago I used to do like lots and lots of newspaper and magazine writing back, mm. back when we had journalism, and, um, <laughs> and so you know I would I would just line the things up for when they and I never missed a deadline. I yeah, don't yeah, think. yeah. But yeah, so then I have got into giving myself them, and it's the best thing. Um, it's it's terrible when uh, I write sermons for my church as well. Um, so I take services at church. Um, I'm training to be a lay preacher. And and I write the sermons at eight o'clock in the morning and then deliver them at ten thirty. <laughs> it's mm. it's my procrastination. It's yeah. part of the process uh, totally. for me. Uh, thinking percolating. That, yeah, thinking about writing is writing. Yeah, it's, it's part oh, of it. Thank God. <laughs> that's, that, that's all you need to tell yourself. Yeah. You know? Like obviously, at some point, you need to produce something <laughs> to to be the full stop <laughs> to, oh. to sign off. But r- thinking about writing is writing, oh, and that's and that's why. It, you know to your point in that poem about you know universal basic income to allow you to do that you know that's where creatives are um many are struggling oh it's struggle street all the way that's right that's right Um, unless they combine it with a paid job which is takes up time saps the soul whatever and they're a separate you know I've often found full-time work to actually be really rewarding and really inspiring for creative work. Yeah. So I'm not bagging it, but everyone's different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a full-time job in a prison in the UK, 
and one of my co-workers also liked to write poetry mm. so we would come across a sentence that we liked uh, use that as the title spend five minutes writing and then compare and contrast nice, nice. it was beautiful so you had your own little writing group yeah your own little, um, yeah class yeah it was That's stunning awesome. and prison poetry in prisons is such a thing like it's such a I wish I could have yeah. um, I wish I could have taken classes in mm. that um mm. I, I actually really loved working in the prison. Well, I was really young um, and learned a shit ton in a very short space of time. But I also learned that um, I didn't like what jobs made me do. Mm, you know, like mm. the, the... Some people are not wired for it. No. It's probably the easiest way to Yeah, to I was it. like, I want to connect with these yes. people who, who are human beings. So I would say, I'm just going to go off and see some of my prisoners mm. and I would go and play chess with one of them for two hours and, and I was just like that's not part of my job mm. my, this is not in my job description I probably shouldn't be doing this yeah yeah but oh my god was it an effective way of being with someone mm. you know and just treating them like the human being that they are uh so yeah and yeah I, I'm now full-time arting and connecting with people all the time and it's just wonderful and I but love you, it. You can't have um, hit the ground running when you got to Wellington with all of this. Oh no, no, it was a very gradual yeah. process. Um, when I first came, the first poem I did in Wellington was at Meow at Poetry in Motion for a slam and it was shit in my pants, which is exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. It's a it's an ode to a time when I shat myself in China. <laughs> <laughs> and um and I, I got through to the next round of the slam and then I the one that I won the slam with a poem about masturbation. Yeah. Um and and I'd taken myself to the poetry event because my partner wasn't interested in any way and as from then I was just like, Oh shit <laughs> Oh I think this is where I'm gonna find my place. Yeah, yeah. And when I um, when they said they needed more people for organising Poetry in Motion, I shot my hand up and was like, yeah, I'll be on the committee. Yeah. So that was my first foray was Poetry in Motion, mm. which I've been with now for most of the time I've been in Wellington. And from that, um, people have got to know my work. Yeah. Um, I had a job in an op shop. I managed an op shop in Karori. Um, and would go to poetry and I, I actually had um, a lot of the customers there really interested in what I was doing mm -hmm. and some of my co-workers came to slams and things which was beautiful and then I decided that I needed more money so I went and worked for ACC and that was a mistake <laughs> in the biggest sense of the word I was not suited to mm. corporate in any way shape or form I was not the kind of person who could be boxed in and, and moulded into mm. what they wanted and I was considered dangerous for that yeah, because yeah. I'm so outspoken and so alive inside yeah, yeah, yeah. and they tried to kill me they tried to kill what was good about me and um and when I finally escaped from their clutches I went what am I gonna do now mm. and I was like I don't want a job so I'm gonna give this art a full-time go and it was a real struggle i would i would do, take my typewriter to markets and write um poetry on typewriters for people and charge five bucks and and 
you know, it was... Poems on the spot. So yeah, come, yeah. yeah. So um, what do you do for that? Ask them who they are and a thing or two about themselves yes. or whatever kind of thing. And yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I've, I've walked past and seen you doing that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did it at Cuba Duper earlier yeah, this year. It was yeah. really cool. Although it wasn't with my typewriter, it was just handwritten. Uh, it was... My ears were bleeding, though, because there was aggressive drum oh, and bass yeah. two yeah. doors down and I wanted to scream. In fact, I did <laughs> scream multiple times for yeah. them to shut the fuck up. And I was like, because, you know, expressing myself, yeah, yeah. proper extrovert, just going, ah! And then getting back to writing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then um, George Fowler uh was struggling with uh, having so many shows on his books and I said how can I help and he said can you help co-produce the Wellington Feminist Poetry Club and I was like yeah sure and then he was like can you help co-produce Naked Girls Reading and I was like oh yeah sure (laughs) and then now I've got five I think five or six Hugo Girls gigs that I produce solely sole produce now Yeah. Um, and it's bloody marvellous so yeah. I had to start I started small yeah obviously um, but now more and more people are approaching me for my producing skills because I make a damn good show yeah yeah um, I know who to pick yeah I know what to ask them to do yeah or I trust them with what they're going to do um, and and now I'm like firmly established on the producer yeah scene I'm getting more into comedy now as well and doing straight stand-up or should I say gay stand-up yeah um and I've done a couple of comedy gigs and open mics and I'm I'm going in for Royal Quest comedy um next month uh 17th of June so we'll see how that goes um but a lot of people are just like oh Kate's Kate's a producer and a poet yeah um and I kind of want to expand that you mm. know. no well i mean i've i've been in one of your shows and i survived so you must be a good producer <laughs> you did you, that was a good show though that was the Thank comedy you. um poetry thing which yeah was, which was putting three um stand-up comics on and three poets or performance poets i guess you'd say yeah. and basically it wasn't really a battle in that people were taking each other apart and roasting each other but it was just poet then comedian and it was like a vote to see which team won overall on the night but you had a different lineup for what six nights five uh, nights, five nights. Yeah. and uh, unfortunately it was um the five nights that were affected by the covid level two yes. lockdown yeah. not, well not lockdown but, but the, like, yeah the the mild return of yes previous conditions from the other year so we, which we weren't really ready for a lot of us were we i was so <laughs> i was so like i was at a kink party at when we got the alarm yeah, sounding yeah. it was like the yeah. covid alert and uh and i just burst into tears yeah i burst because i knew that everything would be affected um because in level two, uh, you can only have 35 people yeah, at the fringe yeah. bar, which is where I do pretty much all my gigs, instead of the normal normal 110. Yeah. And if you're trying to make a gig and happen and you can only have 35 people, you're not going to make any money. No, and comedy and, and poetry, when it's being performed in that way, um, needs an audience. It and needs it needs a big audience, if, audience. If, if you can, you know. Like, it's hard work for it. Not just the performers and the producer, but for the other people in the audience, it's hard work, I think, yeah, too, isn't it? Yeah, you have it? to be like, a really good audience member. Yeah, you're not going to bring your true... You're not going to bring... Not many people are going to bring their 
full selves to it if they don't see a whole lot of other people around. Yeah. You know, they're going to sit yeah. on their hands a little bit more yeah. than they would. Because audience members encourage other audience members. And, True. you know, the uh, ones slightly more introverted come out more when they hear big bursts of noise and it's okay to do this. And yeah, for sure. So forth. Yeah, yeah. So you need a few little leaders within the pack. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely one of those. Yeah, like... no, I, I got that. <laughs> No, when I like when I'm producing, I stand at the back of the yeah. the show room. I'm I'm by the um, hello puppy. Um, sorry, <laughs> got distracted by your dog. Um, it happens. He's yeah. a bit of a feature. Pretty yeah. cute. Um, and and I people recognise my laugh. Yeah, yeah. They they know it's me laughing. Yeah. With them and for them, and yes. encouraging the audience to do the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, you always need a ringer. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> no, I think it's great. I mean, I think you're a good, um, you know, uh, support club and business card for what you you're trying to do. You know, it's like and 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 the in the best possible and least desperate way you're like you're you're like a fan for what your own enterprise which i think more people should be yeah yeah you know like if you're going to believe in it that's that's what's going to make it fly right like right. that's a big part of it like yeah. it might it might still sink but you want the person who's putting it on to to show that they really give a shit and that they're and also not just you know not not just self-serving but actually appreciative of the people doing the stuff yeah and, i'm and so grateful for people's time and talent yeah, you know yeah, no, that comes across that's clear i mean as i say i've been um seeing you perform and i've been performing at things that you've either been emceeing or co-organizing or organizing or producing for a couple of years on and off now so even though i've only attended a small um a, a, you know a small amount of what you do it comes across Thank so you. it's noticeable Thank yeah. you. yeah it's really important to me um, well, I've been to, I mean, poetry is a thing that has, um, a, well, I say it's got a pretty good rap these days, and a, you know, really, but when poetry has a bad rap, it, it has done still with some people, it's because of, you know, it's... It's a bit like jazz, isn't it? It's because the one, the one time they went, the one time they went to it, they got dragged along by a friend, yeah. And the friend was either up and was terrible, or <laughs> the friend took them to a place that was terrible, yeah. You know, and it was a bad night, and there was nothing going for it, and um, they weren't really that into it. But take them along to something that hums, and it's like like comedy face off. Yeah, we yeah. Did comedy versus yeah, poetry face off. Exactly. I had a lot of people say I came for the comedy, but the poetry really impressed me. Yeah, that's right. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Well, we won the night I was there. So that's what I cared about. we <laughs> did. Um, I was gutted because we, uh, across the five nights, we were up 2-0 right. for the first two and then comedy took the oh, next no. three. But it was totally fixed. Yeah. Like, yeah. Dave had his friends <laughs> in the audience and all my friends were in other shows around yeah, town yeah. for Fringe. <laughs> so it's really like, I got but no it's a, friends. It's a good concert. Is it one that you think you'll repeat? Because it's a good concert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. We're going to do working. a... Um, double down like yeah. winner takes it all and, and these... then we're gonna we're gonna modify it and do a longer show and do um comedy poetry and then musical comedy because nice, nice. there are so many yes musical comedians yeah. in and town that's a, and, and that, around and whilst that fits into comedy it is a different thing and there is a specific audience that that's what they actually like yeah and they and there are you know people that are on the back of concords and then things like mrs peacock and whatever's happened yeah. since then there are people that um do their own shows and actually 
audiences come out for that rather than other comedy shows. Yeah. Emma Wallum is an example. Yeah. She plays, I think it's the Squeeze Box, yeah. and she does. She's got a show in the Comedy Fest, uh, Cling Along, Sing Along, right? Um, and it's just such a genius concept, yeah, yeah, yeah. and to have to have her in a show where mm. there are lots of people doing. Yeah. Similar. Yeah, yeah. Would be so good. Yeah. It really and, would. And I mean, I, you know, I found like return. Uh, well, when I say returning, um, I was going to say returning to the world of performance poetry. It makes it sound like I was there before. <laughs> I kind of was. Like I did. I used to do open mic stuff about twenty years ago. Yeah. And then I just stopped. And I don't know why. I think I just stopped because I was working and I wasn't writing as much. Yeah. And I you just, write so much. Though. Yeah, I do. You, ha- you bring new stuff every yeah. open mic. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. And you you post new stuff every day on your website and, yeah. I'm, and I see them on Facebook and I'm like how are you so productive well uh, you know at the moment it's uh, uh, I'm struggling to find a plumber to turn the tap off um, would be the would be that's the analogy a, that's a great um, analogy and just going like with it poet. yeah and just going with it basically because of that and thinking like you know and not not, not wanting to compare myself with them but seeking uh inspiration from people like Neil Young who has whose process has been on a record an album if you don't like it I don't give a fuck there'll be another one Great. in six months yeah, there'll be another yeah, yeah. one and, and you'll like the one that you like yeah. and I'll like the ones that I put out and I feel a bit like that not you can't hit can't hit it out of the park every time but if you keep but if you keep turning up to have a hit you're going to hit it out of the park more often than if you turn up every now and then and hope to hit it out of the park yeah. or something like that well I'm, I'm just grateful it wasn't that. as good as my plumber one but <laughs> Anyway. I'm just grateful that I, I, I wrote a poem on Sunday because that has sort of unlocked something. Yeah. And I started writing a poem about mansplaining, like um, a guy basically mansplained sex to me while we were having sex. <laughs> um, I, I was giving him encouragement saying, oh, that feels so good. And he goes, well, it's all about the angles. My, my cock is hitting your G-spot. And I was just like, are you fucking serious? Like, <laughs> I, I'm... I was bewildered, um, but had to continue going because it did feel good. Um, <laughs> but I was like, "Do you? Are you what?" Mm. So it's been stuck in my head, and uh, that's going to go in um, Squirt Two. Come again, <laughs> which I've decided I need to do. Yeah, perfect. Um, um, yeah, it's funny though because I. Um you know, because I put a book out last year and I, ha- I had a lot of people asking, oh, when did you start writing poetry? You know, when did you jump to that kind of thing from writing reviews and other things? And it's like, well, I started writing poetry when I was about, lo- well, long before I wrote any reviews. You know, right. I started writing poetry when I was about 12 or 13. Yeah. And in a funny kind of, well, not funny, but in a way, maybe a devastating way for some readers, it hasn't stopped. Like, you know, I, I, I probably have had some time off in my mid-twenties and maybe even early thirties but there were certainly there wasn't a routine where I'd come home from work and write a poem but I was always scratching things down yeah notes you know there's always you know a pad in my back pocket and I used to scratch something out on the bus when I got the bus home from work and every now and then and notes and then something would form so I was always thinking about it same I was at a quiz last night and um someone called me a geriatric millennial and I was like (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, and then I went, oh, that's good. Write it down. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really good. And I started yeah. writing just on the scrap piece of quiz paper that we'd been given, even though I had my big notebook in the pocket, yeah. um, in my bag. I just was like, it, that pen and paper was there, right there. And so I just scrawled a few notes. And that's going to become something. Yeah. That's definitely going to become something. It's funny, isn't it? When you write down notes or half ideas or even what you think is a fully formed idea, uh, well, I find, um, usually the finished product goes somewhere else entirely. For but sure. you need But you need that little trigger point, that little thing yeah. that sets you off. I've got, I've got sentences from 15 years ago that still haven't been made into mm, poems mm. Um, and they will become poems in their in their own time yeah yeah and you can reuse this stuff too like I found um, I've found I've got a couple of phrases that I've now used two or three times in a poem and in different poems and yeah, I don't, I, at first I thought well you can't do that but it's like who's making the rules I am yeah. who gives a shit you know yeah. like who cares and and it's arrogant to uh, presume you would get busted because that would suggest someone out there is reading everything you do and in my <laughs> case that's not possible you know oh. like so oh I am um, my ex-partner I reused a phrase in a poem and he was like you've no, that you've done that. You can't do that again. You've used that already. Yeah. And I was like, so what? Yeah. So what? This yeah. is a new poem. It won't be read with the other poem at the same time. So you know those two phrases are the same. All you, know? you need to do is play them. You really got me by the kinks, and then play them all day and all of the night, and go if it worked for this, these fuckers, <laughs> <laughs> then it can work for anyone else. Yeah. No one, no one really busted them on that. And when they did, people were still happy with it because yeah. it sounded good, and that's what matters. And if it's your creation, you should feel fit to use it, however and as much as you like, really, right? Yeah. When did you um, find poetry? When did poetry find you? Because um, you've hinted at, um, uh, you know... Early, was, twen- yeah. early 20s in the prison. But I, I found a love for it when I was 15 and, and doing my English GCSEs. Mm. And we had, reading it yeah, first. Yeah. yeah, reading it first. And especially the war poets. Oh, yeah. Um, and the classics, like the Scott Penrest. and Wilfred Owen. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And... Um, and yeah, it just was just like, oh, this hits me hard in my heart mm. region, and um, and everyone else was moaning about it, and I was like, mm, no, I quite, I get, I'm getting something from this, but I didn't. I mean, I wrote one poem about a boy who I fancied, Matt Staff, who was actually um, in in fourteen thousand and six. He's you know been with me quite a long lot of my journey of poetry actually. Um, cause he, he had an appreciation of it too. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was a, he was a fun guy. Um, and then he died and I was just like, I can't, no, there's no writing happening. I'm too sad. And then it wasn't until the prison in my twenties that I started writing again with my colleague. And then I had a break as well while I went traveling and then when I settled in China, mm. um, I just started writing again. I just had all these feelings. <laughs> and, and I was just like, oh, I just need to write them down. Mm. And then um, people told me that what I was writing was good. And then someone invited me to an open mic night with other expats. And um, I shouldn't say expats, I should say immigrants. Mm. Uh, expat is such a classist, yeah. whitest, yes, is, racist it? word. We all fall into saying things like that without really recognising what it mean, what it really means. Yeah. yeah, so I was an immigrant in China yes. uh, with other 
immigrants from uh, Western countries. And we had a monthly um, open mic spoken word night and mm. people were really encouraging and and were amazing. And I just kept writing and writing and writing. Yeah. And then that became my passion, my way of expressing myself best. Like, sometimes I find it hard to string a fucking sentence together <laughs> and express how I'm feeling, but give me a pen and paper and I can do it, no problem. Mm-mm. Yeah. What I was starting to say about re-entering the world of um, turning up to do uh, performance of any kind with poetry was um, how much had changed that I had missed. Like, so I think, I mean, I think I probably went to the um, Poetry at the Fringe on the Sunday a couple of times before. Lord in heaven, so did I, and I was... <laughs> well, I still go every now and then, but I, before I went to Poetry in Motion, and then I started going to that, and then I had a little bit of time off from that, and it's never, it's only ever because someone else in the house is busy or something else is on. It's right. Not, it's, you know, and so I try to go when I can, but like the whole finger clicking thing was new to me. Yeah. People were doing snaps. Do you know I what? Didn't, I didn't know what that was. You know, and at first I thought that's fucking stupid. And then like within minutes of it, I was like, oh no, I get that. That's really cool. That's Same. clever. I yeah. was like, this is so pretentious. Yeah. And now I'm just like, uh-huh, wherever I am. Like yeah. even in the cinema, yeah, yeah. I click. Um, <laughs> like my ex was mortified when I did. And he was like, you can't do that. It's kind of, that's kind of like, do that. that's like members of the fight club finding each other in public, you know, oh, <laughs> oh that's a poem. Oh, yeah. I do it all the time. Mm. I do it in comedy when um, when someone gives me a good some a good something. I do it yeah. while I'm watching TV. But I instantly like I thought, oh, that's a bit weird and a bit wank. And then I was like, it's not like it's not. because it's not interrupting the flow of it, but it's showing appreciation. Yeah. You know, like and, and you can it, see it when you, when you that's right. You can, you see, can see the poet's reaction. Yeah, that's to right. It, like, and they're oh. like, oh, thank God, this is landing. And that's right. Sometimes you do want to applaud the bit in the middle of a work, which is not to say you didn't like the whole work, but there's the bit that speaks to you, the line. You know, that, there's the that, line yeah. that just blows you away or that just is nice and tight, whatever it is. Yeah. There's the line that speaks to you. And, you, you know, you might lose people by the end of the poem. Mm. And so they don't remember to give you a clap at the end because the last words have lost them, but the bit in the middle blew them away. Yeah. So it's that instant, I'm going to acknowledge that while that's happening, which yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, you don't get to you, you don't get to do that with many other art forms. Actually, true, true. You know, we never get to see generally the painting while it's being painted, anyway. But um, you know, you don't get to you know imagine watching that and deciding the bits of it as it come to life that really blew you away. That's, I mean, we should yeah. really be clicking Bob Ross. Yeah, that's, that right, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, it's... Um, so anyway, I thought that was really cool, but it was new to me. I mean, because I, I, I'm a product of... Uh, in a way, I'm a product of nervously turning up to open mics at a young age and going up... Um, when the guest part was someone like Sam Hunt and you're like how the fuck do you compete with that well you don't you just mm. go up and do it and if you're not booed you've done well like that was that you know I was, I was turning up in pubs at 17 and 18 and hoping I didn't get booed yeah and you know part of me thought oh that that made me quite tough and but no one needs to be made tough no. You know, the, 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 the slightly more nurturing concept of making people feel safe 
is a whole lot better. That is so important to me yeah. in the poetry. Um, and I, I tell this, so I produce Wellington Feminist Poetry Club as well. And I, I tell my poets, um, like, we know if you've got trauma, mm. it's a really good space to express that trauma. But please take us on the journey. Mm. Uh, don't leave people in that traumatised kind of mm. mood that you're fixing that poem in. Um, so take it up at the end and leave us on a high or mm. leave us with some hope. Um, because I think trauma poems, um, it's really hard for people to, to hear those, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's really hard for the poet to speak them. So we always give content warnings yeah, yeah. at the top of a show and yeah. at the top of a set that's traumatic. Um, and it's, but it's so important to to go on that journey, and so I, I make sure that my poets know my. I call them my poets, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they're your. They are your. I mean, the, they're my babies. They're your so. <laughs> Let's go for something biblical, which you're like. They're your flock. Yeah, yeah. I. Yeah, I do kind you of know, see myself sh- as Mama shepherd. Kate. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was called. I I did a youth. I was leader of a youth group with the church um and they call me mother kate mm. there as well and i left when some, one of them said you remind me of my grandmother <laughs> no i don't <laughs> in a good way they said i'm like i can't no there's no good there's way. no good way <laughs> yeah, of yeah. saying i'm grandmotherly yeah yeah um, <laughs> um yeah yeah, so holding that safe space is crucial for me. Mm. But it's not just holding the safe space for the poets, it's holding the safe space for the audience yeah, yeah. and making sure they remain safe as yeah, well. Yeah. And so I I often offer hugs to people at the, yeah. like if they yeah. want them. And we did one one um incredibly heartfelt um show after the mosque shooting and uh, Sean Marie, who is an incredible poet and is in my showcase at the Roxy tomorrow, um, she did a never-to-be-repeated poem based on the names and lives of the people who were lost. And at the end, everyone mm. was just in floods of tears. Mm. And I don't know how many people I hugged, but it was so necessary that for, for a lot of them. And I think that's... You know, at church, I'm called the church hugger. Um, I'm just a hug slut. Um, (laughs) Physical touch is my love language. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it's really important for me to hold that safe space for people to feel comfortable enough to to not just um, give their trauma a voice, but to give their joy a voice as well. Mm. And... And that they will be accepted and and not judged and and loved for who they are in what they're bringing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's yeah really crucial. Oh, for it's me. Fa- you know it, again like obviously I'm I'm fascinated by it because as I say I've sort of like returned to open mics and poetry performance in general um, having the best part of two decades away or a, deca- mm. a decade away certainly and from turning up at all and in that time you know so I think the very first time I went to the Poetry of Motion event which you run um, you know a teenage poet read you know, there's, there's often people reading for the very first time yeah. but I remember a teenage poet read 
And then they came over to me afterwards and said, I really liked your work. And I said, thanks, I really liked your work. And the look on their face was sort of like, like I'd made their day in that moment. And I just thought that's so cool because I could remember being 18 and walking up to someone that was really good at a poetry performance and saying, man, hey, I loved your poem. And then looking at me like, who the, who the fuck, fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? I've heard it before, kid. You know? And I was like, I, I'm enough of an ogre to not be bummed out by that. But yeah. I just think, fuck you, you're a dick. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I don't, yeah, for I don't, sure. Just for me personally, this doesn't make me better or tougher. It's just how I am. I just, you know, I played sport and men's teams when I was a kid. So I think that's probably why I had that sort of hide about me. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of went, you know, what a dick. But I could see how that would crush someone. Like, <sighs> what? And this person that came up to me, I mean, it was the first time I was there, so they didn't know anything about me. It wasn't like they, you know, they, and I, it's not like I had a book out at that point or anything. So I was no one, rightly, and not trying to be anyone. And I loved You're just... You're someone. Yeah, no, I know. But I, what yeah. I mean is, you know, it's just that nice equal footing. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they didn't need to know the backstory if there is anyone. And, and I didn't either. It was just two people going, I liked your work. Well, that's all it needs to be. Right. And I didn't feel like I'd seen that in in poetry spaces when I used to do it, you know? Oh, and, I mean, I, I got up to a level of being like opening for Sam Hunt in Poetry Day out and up a hut several times and, you know, Sam would take me aside to have a chat with me and there were other poets that he wouldn't talk to because he, not because he's a dick, just because everyone bugs him and so he, you know he sort of had to pick his person you know he'd take me off to his room for a drink or whatever. yeah and it's like it's kind of gross like i get mm. why he has to manage his time and and has to manage the situation because everyone's got a sam hunt story or it used to be that way right you know he kind of hung over the scene for a long time for good and bad i think mm. not, not his fault but just mm. the idea he was the new zealand poet that had made it on a performance level <laughs> Like no one else can. Like no one else can. Yeah. And that, you know, there's always that, that, which is a, you know, I, I, I'm careful to say this, but it's kind of a bit of a boomer logic, you know? It's sort of like, and not to throw boomers as a whole under the bus, although other times I'm happy to. Um, <laughs> but in this case, I mean, it is just kind of a boomer logic. You know, yeah, why, yeah. why would I go and see the New Zealand performance part when I've seen Sam Hunt? I've done that. I've ticked that off the list. It's that sort of attitude. Yeah. You know, people collecting one of everything. Well, I've seen the New Zealand performance part, mm. you know, and I, I say that as a huge fan of Sam's work. You know, I love his, I love his work. But There are so many good performance yeah. poets in, in, Wellington in Wellington alone. Yeah. Like, I... Yeah. Well, I think, like, Poetry in Motion, the last couple of times, maybe maybe not the exact last time when we are in the different venue, although that was fine, but the time before that, the last two times, have been two of the best open mics of, you know, and they were bursting, like, they were yeah. busy big nights. Yeah. And there's sort of, like, a warning at the top, hey, we're going to try and get through, everyone, this is a big night. And I remember talking to Mike Blue afterwards, both times, just going... Fuck, that was extraordinary. That's yeah. one of the best nights I've had watching other people. Like, everyone was good on some level. Some were yes. amazing. No one was yes. shit. Mind, <laughs> no one was shit. Which is a great aim. That's right. <laughs> but I don't mind seeing someone who's shit, and I don't mind being shit, you know, myself, yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's important. Oh, like, I've it's had in, shit days. I yeah. have crushed and burned. I kind of like bombing on stage a bit. Yeah. You know, I like, I like kind of playing with people and going, you know, let's see if I can lose you. You know, I'll win you over and then... <laughs> So what's your limit kind of thing I, I kind of do like that well I did a gig for So Far Sounds um, and it was the middle of the Fringe Festival I'd 
done the week of um, the face-off. Mm. I'd done three nights of uh, a comedy gig, emceeing a comedy gig at, at Circus Bar. And then I went to So Far Sounds and I was exhausted. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't know the vibe, so I'm just going to give them my raunchy comedy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh shit! Did it not go down well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get it massively wrong. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, got, <laughs> I have got it massively wrong on many occasions. Wait, so this... I was, I did um, shit in my pants. Yeah, at the National Library, not the National Library, the main library for um, Verve Writers Festival Mm-mm. one year, uh, the first year that I was doing art full time, and. It was a bunch of middle-aged white people who yeah. had no fucking clue how to react. Yeah, yeah. Um, true stories told live. <laughs> and I... The... Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Shit in my pants. Not good. Not not, not the right time. Not the that. right time for that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, was just, I mean, I was just like, I'm showing off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of my church ladies came to that and said... Why do you need to be so vulgar, Katie? Yeah, yeah. You're so much better than vulgarity. Yeah. And I was like, but I like being vulgar. <laughs> and, and I like challenging people. Yeah. And shit in my pants is funny. Why couldn't they see that? But it was just, yeah, yeah gross. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? How you have to really, you do have to adapt to certain audiences and you should and it's a good skill to learn right to, to go I don't have and that, you know for me that's why I've basically it's one of the reasons why I try to read new things everywhere I go because yeah. I think well if I get this wrong that's a good learning experience but yeah. you know whatever I don't want to rely on a couple of greatest hits I don't you know I get that people do and, and it's fine I got but, so frustrated with that in my first yeah. couple of years of doing poetry that I would hear the same people doing the same poems and I was like have you got nothing else Yeah. and now I'm guilty of doing it because it happens, right? because like, period yeah. piece is just so damn good yeah. and holy fuck I'm a squirter is so entertaining yeah. and shit in my pants is yeah, ridiculous yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, those are my you know, go to funnies, yeah. and yeah. I'm doing period piece. Um, well, it's in- different though for you too because you are often, you know, running the event one way or another. You're the MC or maybe doing the door or whatever, and so you're kind of like a, a little cameo spot in your own night, you know, <laughs> in a way, right? Like when you're doing the open I mic. Love that. No, but it's true. Like I think, cameo from Kate. <laughs> I think so though. That's how I sort of see it. Yeah. Like so, you don't. You're already the reason everyone's got there is because you've organised it. So like it's not the proof that well. I know. do say that to some people. I do say that. So you're the reason. You're. I'm the reason you're here. <laughs> no, but <laughs> what I'm just trying to say like I, the the burden is not on you to bring new material. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you're always going to have, you know, the other thing that's cool about those events is not only are there, there's a regular crew, a few different regular crews, there's some people that are there and then they're not for a bit and then they're back, but there is, every night there's not only new people in the audience, but there's always someone new reading. There's yeah. always someone who says, this, either this is, this my, is first my first time, time, or this is my first time here. Yeah. You know, so maybe it's their second or third time reading. Um, Isn't that awesome? It's and the, so cool. And Well, the other thing that's cool is the instant feeling the room gives them of, we're here for you. We cheer. When, yeah. As soon as someone says, yeah. this is my first time, we're yeah. like, yay! I'm, I'm going to say it next time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love your content warning. Yeah, it's good. Hey, content warning. These were written by me. That's, I fucking love that. 
that's actually going to be a, um, a, a, a my go-to, I think. I'm going to say it that every be. time. Because like, it's, it's funny and it's sort of taking the piss, but at the same time, I'm not, I hope I'm not actually disrespecting anyone who gives genuine content warnings because I think it's like, it's, it's no, kind it's of great. a good truth. It's great. It's lovely. You know, um, it's a take me as you get me kind of attitude. One yeah. of my fans came up with a new tagline for me. She's loud, she's lewd, she's normally nude. <laughs> That's good. That's pretty I'm keeping good. that. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just I just think it's really cool how comfortable people feel to share this stuff. And, you know, I, I'll be honest, I some of it I feel like is fucking blatant oversharing some, some, <laughs> of, peop, some of people's work. But I'm like, you go, person. You know, whoever you are, good on you for doing that. Like, yeah. that's amazing because because no one's making you do this. You're you're making yourself do that, and that's bravery. Yeah. So, but you know, so I don't have to love every single thing. I don't expect everyone to love every single thing I do. But um, I see. I have that problem. I'm like, please love me. Yeah, yeah. Please love this new piece of mine. <laughs> or if I'm just like, this is a new piece, like the yeah. fourteen thousand yeah. six, and people come up to me afterwards and say, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. What? This is my favorite thing I've ever heard you read yeah. and I'm like why why yeah. and I think it's because it's more vulnerable well you yeah that's exactly what I was going to say that piece is you actually listening to the lady from your church or the person from your church that said don't be vulgar yeah and there's there, there's no vulgarity in there it's just raw honest truth stuff isn't yeah. it so if people flinch at a particular line in that because they think it's confronting it's still done in a way that is serving the whole piece. And it's, mm. it's um, you know, as I say, it's a roadmap for who you are and where you've gone and where mm. you're trying to go next. Uh, it's, I think it's going to be my opening piece at the Roxy tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a real... Um, I think it's a real scene setter in that um, the other thing that it does well for you is it sets up the situation where you can then immediately try and challenge people and lose them afterwards because you, cause you've, cause you've given them something to hang on to. Yeah. They don't think you can be as outrageous as you want and they don't think, oh, fuck, she's a show-off, you know, whatever, um, because they've got that to go back to. Yeah. And I, so I think it's a really nice... I mean, I am a show-off. No, no, I know. I know that. <laughs> I know that. Anyone listening now knows that. But... <laughs> But what I mean is, what I mean is, you in that moment you're setting up a nice. This, here's this. You guys can have this. Yeah. And it's something that people can hold on to. Mm. You know. And mm. I can imagine people. You know. I. I wouldn't. I. What am I trying to say here? I went home after hearing that, and I thought, I'm. There's no way I'm going to rip that off and do that. Um, because that's just that's not a good idea. That's that's disingenuous, if not disrespectful. But it made me think. As I was walking home, how would I approach something like that? Which is a good mm. thing to think about. Like, what what would I have to say? Now, I know I've said many things in many of my poems that that touch on mm. aspects of that anyway. Mm. So it's not like it was opening up a whole new thing to me. But just the idea that it was like, yeah, how it's quite nice to think to be made to think that. And how I'm, would I approach something like that? And it also gave people a lot of license to go home and think, mm. oh, how many days old am I? That, yeah, a lot exactly. of people said afterwards, yeah, like, I'm going to look that up. up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it actually, um, funny you should say you wouldn't do the, the same format with however many days old you are, but um, a girl I'm seeing, um, I sent her the piece and she was like, I love it. I'm going to try my own. And so she did her days and then said, and I'm, I'm, I, dislike vulnerability so much I can't finish this piece mm. um, and I was just like Whoa. 
That's yeah. so good. That is good. That's so good. It's so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a, a response poem that is just like I am not ready to be this vulnerable is amazing. Yeah, I loved yeah. it. I loved yeah. it. I loved it. Yeah. Um, what was I going to ask you next? Was I want to know about the church because you you know we've we've, we've you've mentioned it a bit, but I have a distinct memory of the first time I heard you say something in a, <laughs> at the end of a poem about blah blah blah, and then you said something about the people. Um, that's what the people at my church think, or what you know. You reference church basically, yeah. going to church. And it was like the big comedy hit of the night. And oh, you had to think, basically um, go, and you had to basically go, no, I'm serious. I'm yeah, yeah. Go. Um, it surprises everyone yes. that I'm a Christian, not least the Christians. Yes. I think it's yeah, what yeah, you're yeah. referring yeah, to. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I've been part of a church since I was 12, 13, 14. Um, and, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, Bible literalist. I'm not a conservative. I'm mm. literally the most liberal Christian you will ever come across. Um, I go to church because I love the community aspect of it. Mm. I think I believe in a God. I don't think I believe in heaven and hell. I I love working in community with people. The church is just one way of me expressing myself in that way, and it, mm. for me, it's a really important expression um and and i can have that depth and vulnerability like i have in my poetry yeah but even more so in that setting um so that's nice i like that noise um yeah so it, it does surprise people that i'm a christian um especially like i say evangelical christians and right mm, right wing mm. Bible believing Christians because I'm not like I'm not like them. Well, um, this, I mean, I just just last weekend I interviewed. And I'm, I, I'm like queer as fuck as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, which is another how thing. How does that, that work? Yeah, people wonder about that, right? But the the you know I I just last weekend I just interviewed an Anglican priest for a podcast. Oh. And so And and that's the whole basic tone of the podcast was talking to him about religion and how he came to it and and. Um, what he what he believes in and so forth because I just found it interesting. Yeah, I'm not a believer myself, but um, I am. I was interested to talk to him, and the thing that I thought was cool that he said, and so maybe this is a spoiler because maybe this podcast episode will go up before that one. But <laughs> he he basically said at the end of the day, um, the way you should think about um, the the rules or the tenets of Christianity as, as they apply to your life is don't be a dick. That's oh. really what we're trying to get across. Um, we we had and a I guy, thought, and he said, you know, I, th I feel like everyone can can get with that, and I was like, that's a message I believe in. Yeah, yeah, right, totally. Like, doesn't matter if it's come from God or Jesus or you or whatever. Whoever tells me that, that's a message I'm down with. We yeah. we had we welcome anyone in our church. Mm. So whatever you believe in, one old guy says I believe in tomatoes, and I'm just like, that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another guy who came to church said he was an atheist and said, I think. I think we've spelt God wrong. And my minister was like, mm, what do you mean? And he said, God's definitely spelt L-O-V-E. Mm. And, and that love that I get in that community is what I want to spread in every community that I'm in, mm. um, which is why it's so important that people feel accepted and included and welcomed 
at every gig that I go to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even if I'm just working on the door. Yeah. You know, like, I set the scene for people coming into yeah. the room. I'm yeah. the first port, port of call. Yeah. And if I don't give them a good experience, and if I don't treat them as, like, they, they are a loved human being, yeah. then I'm not doing my job right. I'm not doing my life right. Yeah, 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 and it's interesting. Like the last time at Poetry Motion, I read the, a new poem of mine called "Church as a Verb," mm. which is a thing I kind of have have come around to thinking more and more. This idea of these terms, church and God, again, a bit like poetry and jazz, they scare people. <laughs> they scare people because of bad experiences or not enough knowledge. Not right, enough, you know, bad, yeah. best, bad first readings. Bad experiences in church, so fucking common. Yeah, right. Yeah, like yeah, or just or just shit person you know that happens to also be a Christian yeah doesn't necessarily mean Claims Christianity yeah that's right doesn't mean Christianity is necessarily bad means that's a shit person yeah and that's just you know part, oh. of, part of their shitty CV but yeah it's interesting that stuff like mm. I'm, I'm sort of um, like I'm in no way on the fence about things or anything like that just generally and not even super inquisitive as such just generally trying to be more accepting of you know, why would you write someone off for uh, stuff they believe in when you don't need to take that on board? You yep. just need to know the person. Yep. And part of knowing them can be knowing what they what they believe in and are interested in what drives them, but you don't need to necessarily take that home with you in any, yeah. great, in any great way. And also, it's okay if you do, but you know what I mean? Like you just, yeah. It's just part of knowing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I do struggle with um, the right wing yes. kind of... Of course. <laughs> Uh, especially, you know, being preached at that the gays are yeah, yeah. not going well, to heaven. Well, like the that. most, the only part of religion, organised religion, the only sort of demographic that's growing at the moment is the ultra-conservative right-wing faction. So, so that's further going to give religion a very bad name to a lot of to a lot of people who are only hearing about it through headlines. And it's not Christianity. No, it's not. It's not. No. It's not Christianity. No. It's not loving. It's greed. No, it's hate speech it's, and greed. And yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it's an organisation that um, basically cloaks that to allow it to sort of sneak in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not about that. No. <laughs> No, no, no. I think, I think it makes we, me really angry. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think we got that already, but that's good. That's good, good clarification. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my community, my church community are phenomenal. Yeah. But so are my queer community um, and mm. my performing community down down in town, you know. Um, I one of my friends Shannon is a comedian Shannon Basso Gall and we're gonna we're planning on doing a tour together called Shannon and Kate try not to kill each other because on paper mm. we shouldn't get on mm. but actually we're really good friends uh, he's a straight white guy comedian and I'm a strident queer feminist <laughs> yeah yeah what's our common ground well actually humanity connecting with people connection. through performing yeah yeah and and, and spread it trying to spread some version of cheer yeah or hap, you know joy, joy to happy. the world yeah. kate is here yeah yeah so you mentioned and are clearly demonstrating being an extrovert was that always the way yeah fuck yeah came out that way yeah so to jesus speak. christ yeah. did i yeah um, <laughs> I was a terror, yeah. a real terror, yeah. um, and honestly had no idea how to self-manage for most of my childhood and teen years, and um, learned a lot of self-management tools, teaching yeah. self-control to prisoners. <laughs> yes, so who who best knew what to do with you? No one. Yeah. When, yeah. yeah. 
And when did when did someone come into your life that did know how to how to handle you, <laughs> so to speak? Ah, uh, I think it was um, the person who first got me into church. To be honest, mm. my flute teacher Jane. She's responsible for a huge amount. Um, <laughs> yeah, she uh, she got me into the church. She got me into um, you know love um as a general concept and uh she's one of the most important women in my life and she always has been and she always will be she's in the uk and but she's got ancestors buried here in new zealand so i plan to do a road trip up to the the grave yeah and and do a video recording for her um yeah that's awesome and i've really resisted until now a one-time at band camp joke <laughs> no. <laughs> I was waiting for it, and when you, and when you didn't deliver it, I was like, "Well, <laughs> I'm a terrible flautist." Um, <laughs> but like wanting to learn to play the flute, and my parents being open to that and sending me to her was, I think, the best decision and a turning point in my life. Yeah, mm, mm. yeah it's interesting. This uh, there's always someone in your life that isn't your f- isn't a family member mm. and it's usually some form of teacher yeah. you know like some sort of coach or teacher yeah. me- that, be- and that becomes a mentor and sometimes you don't know it until you know in the moment you don't really know it you look back and go that person was really helpful well she <laughs> really said, she said wise. i too was really helpful for her yeah sure because she was learning how to be a vicar's wife yeah at right. the same time yeah um and how to be a useful part mm. of the mission of the church. Mm. So she said, "I like she's often told me how important I am in her life." Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, that it becomes a these you know communication has to be a two way thing. Yeah. So any situation like that, like a teaching relationship, I mean, anyone who's involved in any kind of teaching, whether it's creative writing community project they're a full-time teacher cut sports coach whatever it is you talk to them they're always going to tell you that they get so much from what they do they learn mm. so much from their students and it it starts to sound like a cliche it's a cliche because it's the truth and it, it's cliches start from truth that's don't right they? that's right and cliches just have like overwhelming statistical backup <laughs> you know like they just have, <laughs> they have numbers in support of them that actually um helps when you start sort of going oh that's just a cliche it's like well the numbers don't lie Mm, that's mm. the reason that's a cliche that's the same reason we use stereotyping isn't it like it helps us to yeah to to, determine categorize and determine and place and then and then you go wider yeah that's right you you can't see the full picture so you zero in on something then you expand yeah yeah but it's it's interesting that like because i think i start to think now about um you know people in my life that have been you know teachers or coaches that have pointed me in one particular direction and I've only sort of seen it now Mm. they did it 25 or 30 years ago yeah you know but like I had an English and this is a pretty common story I think but I had an English teacher that basically really developed my interest in poetry Mm. saw saw that I you know I was already there Mm. in terms of reading into it but she kind of saw that that was going to be a thing I was into and made some really great recommendations. Awesome. And I often still think about that. And I think, like, you know, I haven't had any contact with that person. I don't mm. know if they're alive. Mm. And, um, that doesn't even matter. No, of course, of course it doesn't. Yeah. But, uh, you, but you also think, like, what, you know, and then I had this, you know, 
um, thing a couple of years ago, I went back and actually interviewed my high school art teacher who who failed if his job was to teach me to be good at art. <laughs> but fortunately, that was not his job. So I had no connection with him as an art student. I failed at it. But, but he'd taught some people that had gone on to do some really great things. Yeah. And that's what I was interested in, was this group of quite famous artists had, had all had the same guy and he actually just died a couple of weeks ago but um but I um or a month ago or so but but you know I saw him when he was in his 80s and mm. talked to him and he'd been my the thing that he'd done for me was actually he'd been my cricket coach and he was awesome at that Amazing. he'd completely he had a great memory although he had overestimated my ability at cricket he had sort of remembered me as being better I think than I was but that was probably just him being kind in the yeah. moment but you know it was when I reconnected with him I was like Man, this dude taught me heaps about music mm. because the the safe space that he created before we ever started using terms like that, I think, in his classroom was to put on music and you know this is again this is over twenty five years yeah. ago to put music on and um to let, to not just be the boss of the stereo and be the cool guy telling people what to play, but to allow us to bring stuff in and be open to you know That's we wonderful. we were starting to try and challenge him with you know, probably things like Public Enemy and stuff like that at the time that we thought was really cool and a little bit outrageous, and he just went with it. Oh, it's, wow. make, it's making them happy, and they're doing some work. Yeah. You know, I think about stuff like that. And and go, what, How, what a cool dude. And what a joy for him yeah. to know yeah. the impact that he's had on yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I guess I want to be that kind of person, you know, that I mm. have a positive impact on someone, that I've encouraged them on a path somewhere that leads them to some joy. And what's making you want to do that? Um, because I found so much joy in it and so much joy in other people mm. leading me to, to pathways. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, it's just wanting everyone to be loved and accepted and find something that means something in their life mm, mm, yeah mm. i feel like another uh, piece of the puzzle with you which we've yeah i mean you've you've dropped some um hints around and we've talked about in brief but the um what would you call it the overt discussion of sexuality mm. is um is something that you believe in and are a practitioner of but and you've found your platforms and created them for that but uh was that something that you just leapt straight at in terms of talking about it? It can't have been. Uh, I was very open as a teenager that I was uh, masturbating a lot. <laughs> uh, I I was always hypersexual um, as a teen. I always wanted to, like, as a young girl, I wanted to know where babies came from I was obsessed with the human body I was obsessed with my body I would look at my vulva religiously in the mirror so I would understand what it was um, I was uh, you know embarrassed to watch sex scenes on TV with my parents but um, only then when they were rewound them when they went out yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. of course um, <laughs> um, and but I was, yeah, I was just like, oh, I really, really want sex, but I can't because the church says you shouldn't do that. And it was a big fucking mission in my life to unpack all of that um, and then be ready to 
explore my sexuality with other people um so yeah it, it was no it's not been an easy journey but that's why I want to talk about it because mm. um it might encourage other people to to be more open about where they're at I think the the more we hide the more things get um under Mm-hmm. Under writ, like swept under the carpet, like yeah, sexualities yeah. of all kinds. Um, but specifically, do you write about it first and then go, "Oh, okay. Well, I've written about it. Now I can take it and read it, and you know, tell people." Or like, you, you know, you might have been talking about it. I was always you're... talking about it even yeah, before yeah. I wrote poetry. Right. Okay. I was always curious about what people's sex lives were like, and mm-hmm. um, curious about who was diddling who and. Um, how they were doing it and 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 all that jazz and uh, you know I. So you didn't grow up in New Zealand in the conservative eighties and into the nineties, but what was the attitude like when you came here? Did you have you been have you noticed people that are still shackled by that? Oh yeah, yeah. almost yeah. definitely. Almost every day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah. Like I want to go up to some people in the street and say, "Are you getting enough sex? Yeah. You know, are you are you happy in your sexual relationship?" Like, um, I've, relationships have ended for me because I wasn't getting enough sex. Um, they weren't, like, they couldn't give me what I needed. Um, they were also dicks, (laughs) who were abusive cunts. Um, and yeah, I was told I was weird for liking sex so much. Um, and that I was unusual and that I had a problem and that I should probably go and see someone about that um, by one of my ex-partners, um, which was devastating, but made me all the more determined to talk about it because I couldn't talk to anyone about the fact that my my partner wasn't wanting to have sex with me because I'm a woman. Like, the woman isn't supposed to have the high sex drive, you know? And I would go to girls' nights with the friends of my um, partner and I would try and talk about it and they would clam up and go back to talking about what their plans for the garage was. Mm. And I was just like, this isn't helping me. Mm. Like, this isn't... I need to break free of this. Like, I need to be able to talk openly about my desires, my drive, my, my lust for for all kinds of people and and so yeah I was just like right stuff it fuck it gonna gonna write poetry and just gonna get it out it put it out put it out there and challenge people yeah and overall would you classify the response as for every one person that has a problem with it there's two or more that are like good on you for doing this basically for sure yeah 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 for sure um yeah, it's. I just, just want sex to be considered a normal thing that we can talk about. You mm. know, and mm. it's so frustrating that it's either the butt of a joke, or you know, I. Yeah, I mean, shush I, or, or, yeah, what, yeah, hushed up or, um, told that's not an appropriate place to talk about that. You know, so I'm very much keen to open wide my legs as much <laughs> as as my heart to to get people on a journey of discovery mm. in terms of sexuality mm. yeah mm. now you've got loads of things on always in terms of events oh the cat's coming to see hi you. pussy 
Hey, Bruce, Bruce. Oh, you're pretty. It's a pretty oh. special day when she turns up. Oh. She's pretty um, aloof. And then the dog will get really jealous. Oh, it's all right. I've got two hands. Um, yeah. So um, I was saying you've got lots of events on always that you're either running or in or both. Yeah. Um, and so where can people find out about that stuff? Where's the one-stop shop? One-stop shop is creativekate.com, C-R-E-A-T-I-F-K-A-T-E.com. And I list all everything, everything that, that I'm up to, where I'm at, at, with links to yeah. tickets and um, links to the Facebook events. Mm. So. And how does it go for you in terms of... Um, how do you achieve a kind of, I guess, balance in your life when you're basically throwing plates in the air the whole time? Like, uh, my body shuts the fuck down yeah. and tells me I need to stop. Like I'm, I've got, as the poem said, chronic conditions. Mm. I've got hypermobile joints, which is painful all the time. Um, my body's been in a really good place uh, for the past month or so, so I'm just like, oh. Praise be, but that's actually because I haven't been doing as many gigs mm-hmm. because it's been Comedy Fest and I didn't have a gig in Comedy Fest. Um, so my body is the one that tells me to slow the fuck down and there will be days when I cannot move from my sofa. Um, but I still have to do some work, so I'm just like, yeah. oh, oh, I will message these people and hope that they can do some things for me. That's a physical crash that happens but yeah. there's a mental one as well right or emotional yeah, that, mental one um, as well and are they deadly in combo yeah my Prozac keeps me pretty on the level thankfully um, I did have an awful January um, I always have awful Januaries, January is my worst month and and I crash hard mentally in January that's because you're a performer and no one wants to go and see a performance in January Yep. Basically, that's yep. it. That's just entirely um, an ego thing. <laughs> I mean, even before as a performer, yeah, January yeah. As well, well, you're but still now, a... yeah, now it's very much the, because I can't. But before get you're stage. a performer, you're also a performer. <laughs> you know, there's true, that, you know. true, true. But yeah, my my crashes are hard, and I lock myself away, and I I want to see people, but I also don't want to see people, and well, you don't want people to see you yeah the intrusive thoughts get even more intrusive and it's it's hard work to Mm. come back from that but Mm. i am resilient and i do Mm. um because i just i can't stop (laughs) (laughs) it's not good to stop you know i mean i do i know when i need to stop and rest and recuperate but I've got a wider mission that needs to happen. Yeah, and there's a... Um, I always describe it as a... Maybe there's something of this in you. Because um, <clears throat> I used to play a lot of sport. I, I describe it as a match fitness that comes from writing all the time too. And it's mm. the same with just events in general. You lose your mojo if you don't do it. Honestly, it's, my first gigs back in February, yeah, I was just like, what the heck? I it's, can't do another this. Another reason why you hate January, because yeah. you know that it's going to make you February hard. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Like you, I, I had the same thing. I wrote a um, <clears throat> blog for stuff for nine years, every day, and um, every weekday, and then they would always encourage me to have three weeks off in January, because no one blog traffic's down no one's reading yeah. everyone's on holiday and I was the only one I wanted to keep doing it outside of the stats which they didn't enjoy because they didn't want to pay me because they weren't and my argument was well if I put something up you might get some traffic but really the wider argument was if I stop I won't start again and yeah. I and when I did I did obviously enjoy the holiday it was nice 
this was sort of in the very early days and slightly pre-social media so I could actually turn the computer off and phone off and go and have a holiday and that was actually really healthy yeah. but I had shit Februarys that I felt like I was learning to write again yeah. it was excruciating getting to 800 words it yeah. was like I don't know how to do this what am I fucking doing February is yeah ridiculously hard yeah and then March it's fringe season and yeah. you, I've got you're supposed to have your shit all down every and then you got, yeah. week like yeah. I was in five different shows and um, in a month I did 26 shows mm. um, some twice in one night mm. um, some really great some not so great um, but yeah it, <sighs> did I I needed to rest after that. Yeah, yeah. I needed yeah. to rest during that. You know, yeah, like it was, it was, it was hard physically mm. and emotionally draining. Mm. Yeah, but mm. I—that's the life I love. <laughs> you know, yeah. like this—it's what sets me up for the year as well. People see me at fringe stuff and go, "Oh, yeah, yeah, you're you're here, you're here, yeah, and, you're you're, still, and you'll be and, there tomorrow, and, and you'll be, yeah, yeah, and you're good, yeah." Um, yeah. it's taken me a lot of time to accept that I'm actually good at what I do. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the messaging I always had was, yeah, rubbish. Yeah, yeah, that's in the palm too. Yeah, you're no yeah. good. Nah, you can't do that. Why you want to do that? Yeah. Um, what did they want you to do? My dad wanted me to become a lawyer. Yeah. Um, my mum didn't really... Say, didn't say anything but I said I did I studied theology at uni and I once asked her if I should have done that and she said no you should have done an English degree you wally <laughs> but I'm lazy <laughs> I don't like hard work and theology was six hours of lectures a week and and you had a vested and, interest yeah you know vest, well, vestment vested, interest. yeah 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 um but you were you were on the team yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so you'd done the some of the required reading early yeah. whatever you know like some of the some of the yeah, stuff but yeah and so I I spent a lot of my time at university just looking out the window at the cows um, yeah. yeah well I think that's what a lot of people do whether they're cows or not they see them you know like they've spent a lot of time I, I yeah. tell you I'm obsessed with cows right now because there's a chap on YouTube the hoof GP okay. and he trims cows hooves and he's the most relaxing can you say that again in your birth accent Oh, right, 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 the hoof GP, yeah. right? He he trims cows, cows hooves, doesn't he? Um. I feel like I feel like that's more effective, <laughs> more fitting. And he's so relaxing. He's so relaxing. I can't believe it. It's ridiculous. So I'm obsessed with him. Right There's now. A, a really great short story writer called Lydia Davis. I don't know if you know her, and she's amazing. And she writes lots of, I guess people call it flash fiction and stuff. Mm. She writes lots of short stories that are one or two sentences long. Or a paragraph. Love those. She's yeah. great. But then every now and then there'll be like a fully fleshed short story. But one of the longest stories I think she's written is it might be ten or fifteen or thirty pages, I don't know, whatever. But yeah. you know, of that length is called Cows. And it is just observation of cows. It's oh. stunning. And you can actually get it as a standalone volume as well. And mm. so, um, I love cows. Yeah, I love yeah. taking pictures I'll of cows. A, I'll send you a link to it love, as a reminder because it's great. I I'm, love talking to cows. Yeah. I love petting cows. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. I still eat beef. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say we need to we need to follow your advice and wrap this up on a high note rather than any, 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 any wallowing. And we're almost getting there. Um... Is there anything you wanted to discuss that I haven't brought up? I feel like we've had a good chat. And, oh. and anything that we haven't covered, we we 
tipped people off in the poem at the start. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I feel I'm, like we used that as a pretty good template to w- work through some stuff. Great template. It's felt like therapy. Good. And, <laughs> and um, well, then you won't mind the invoice. Uh, <laughs> and I was thinking that you've got a poem to finish. Oh. That's the other thing. Um, or, or two, if you like. Wow. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I haven't... I didn't. I wasn't prepared. No, I know. I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, it can, it can be um, one. Of, it can be one of the old greatest tips, or it can be something oh, new. <laughs> um, I I went. Uh, I'm going to do one of my um, churchy poems, actually. Yeah. Um, and it's. Um, oh gosh, which one should I do? I um, I want just want to do a short one. Um, that's a bit sad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. Um, it's a haiku about church. Inclusive language gladdens my feminist heart. God is genderless. There you go. That's a nice way to finish. Thank you. Hey, thanks. It's been a nice chat. I've loved it. Thank yeah. you so much. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You're gonna have to serve somebody Well it may be the devil Or it may be the Lord But you're gonna have to serve somebody Maybe a rock and roll addict Dancing on the stage Money drugs at your command Women in a cage You may be a businessman Or some high degree they may call you doctor, or they may call you chief, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, you are, you're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody.